Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you. We've had a couple of fantastic weeks of preaching and worship without me, and I'm grateful for it. Our Kids Zone Sunday was fantastic. I made a post on social media about something I took from each of the sermons, but one of the ones that probably touched me the most uh, uh, was in the words of Layla. You might remember, they talked about the 10 lepers that were healed, and uh, nine of them went off, and one came back. And the emphasis was on saying thank you in our Mind and Peace and Q service, but she said something that just rang my bell. It, it shook me to my spiritual core, and I have been thinking about it since. The idea that sometimes our understanding of Scripture has to change as our lives evolve, as our, as our context changes, because she said they ran home to see their families because they hadn't seen them in a long time. It's like covid it's not that they weren't grateful, they were just excited to see their loved ones who they had been apart from. And I thought, oh, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Such powerful work. And then maybe last week you had your bell rung by Pastor Camille as she talked about the sower who went out to sow. I know I did. I've heard her say it before. It's a part of her theological framework that it is not that we are called to be one and only soil and our opportunity to grow is lost, but that sense that we have within us at any one time, at all times, all four of those types, good soil, rocky soil, thorny soil, stuff that gets strangled out, stuff that gets grown up good. I know that I've lived there, and so we continue in our story together. This is a busy season in our lives. We're collecting PJs for Christmas time for the school district. You'll hear at the end of our service that our Advent celebration is but three weeks away. Time is rushing on. Any good preacher could tell you that from this Sunday, right now, there are 50 days till Christmas. Ha-ha. <laughs> Technically, all I really care about is there are 49 days till Christmas Eve when I'm responsible for five services of worship. <laughs> but we march on. But we do that in light of a world that continues to drag at us continues to scar us, continues to offer wounds and brokenness, some inflicted by things like gun violence and warfare, tragedy, natural disaster, accidents in our streets, brokenness in families. And so in light of the rushing pace, in light of our dirtiness of soil, we come before God in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious and Holy One, we offer this time to you. We'd ask that you water us with your living water that we might bear the kind of fruit you have in mind. Make us to be builders of your kingdom. Help us to be your faithful people gathered in this place such that we might be able to say that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, that they were acceptable in your sight. O Lord, who is our strength and the source of all salvation. Amen. Last week in our God's Abundant Harvest series, we did talk about the idea of soil and seed. We are building with very quick momentum to get to Advent, which is coming up at the end of this month on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And so the vision is this very quick process, almost like the beginning of the series video, to see the story of harvest and growth happen almost instantaneously, even though we know it is a time process, one that requires investment. We started with the idea of planting, the intent that what is planted might grow, and this week we're going to focus on the watering. 
Because if you've driven north on the five, you see the politicized signs and the, the dry fields, the idea that without water, something's not going to grow. You can plant all the seed you want and all the good soil you want. But without water, growth is impossible. And so as a bridge from this idea of soil, seed planting a week ago, harvest and God's abundance next week, we take time to water. We take time to water and reflect. And to do that, I'm going to give you a short text today. It comes from the prophet Jeremiah. It's just two verses. I put it on two slides so you didn't feel like you were missing out. But this is what it reads. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. That one does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This powerful image of being rooted by the water's edge, allowing who we are to kind of creep like tendrils of mystery out into that which we need for our sustenance and our nurturing is at the heart of a transition from soil to abundant fruit. How it is we are connected with things beyond ourselves that gives us the strength we need. For some of us, it's drawing on the image of saints and those who come before. For others, it's the feeding of the meal of communion and finding strength for the journey. But today, I want to talk about water and being rooted in spiritual water. And I want to start with one of my favorite spiritualist writers, a guy by the name of Howard Thurman, just a fantastic author, passed away in 1981, but his voice still speaks to me. Um, and he writes this in his book, Deep is the Hunger. There's the cover on the screen. The, uh, the picture of the tree is appropriate. He's talking about the prophet Jeremiah, quotes the passage, and then he writes this. Some years ago, I read a most interesting account in National Geographic magazine concerning certain trees found growing in the Sahara Desert. These trees are not a part of any oasis, but stand alone in the midst of heat and wind without obvious moisture. It seems that hundreds of years ago, what is now the desert was a dank, luxurious growth. And as the desert appeared, the vegetation was destroyed until at last there was nothing left of its past glory except an oasis scattered here and there. But not all the vegetation disappeared. For there were a few trees that had sent their roots so far down into the heart of the earth in a quest for moisture and food that they discovered deep, flowing rivers full of concentrated chemicals. Here the roots are fed so effectively that the trees far above on the surface of the earth are able to stand anything that can happen to them at the hands of the desert heat and blowing sand. This is the secret of those whose lives are fed by deep inner resources of life. To him who is sure of God, God becomes for that person the answer to life's greatest demands and indeed to its most searching and withering vicissitudes. Howard Thurman, deep is the hunger. Our watering is a spiritual connection. It has an immediacy to it. We trust that when we are thirsty, water might come from the tap or that little filter in your fridge. We trust that that will quench us. Here in the West, we have a confidence that our water will, for most parts of our country anyway, be clean be worth the drink, and we'll meet our immediate need. But the other thing that is true about water is that it can also serve as a part of a reminder to that deep well within us, a spiritual connection that can lead into a sense of confidence 
It says, well, I know thirst right now. I know that over the course of the time, God has been watering my spirit and my soul. But I want to talk about those two pieces, this idea of immediate relief and that idea of growth in the long term. Because water is a thirst reliever. When we're thirsty, we drink. We sing about it. We offer our hopes and praise of the idea that we will somehow not find ourselves thirsty. In fact, one of the images for the kingdom of God and the people who get therein in the sheeps and the goats judgment is, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Jesus loved the image of water so much so that when he came to a Samaritan woman at the well, he asked her to draw him some water. And it violated social expectations. They could not be more different socially. Gender identity, relationship to God, culturally. So she takes offense. Who are you to ask me, a Samaritan woman, for water? And Jesus' response is, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me. Because I could give you living water, and you'd never thirst again. The woman's mind remains earthy, and she says, oh, I'd love to never come back to a well. You bet, give me some of that water. I am a living water. Rooting yourself in a relationship with me is a well that never runs dry. Speaking of dryness, we reach back into the history of the Hebrew Scriptures, and we hear from the prophet Ezekiel, not of Jeremiah with his roots in water, but Ezekiel's vision of a valley of dry bones. The man of God, the image of God, the manifestation of God takes Ezekiel out and shows him this valley of dry bones where battles have been fought, lives have been lost, and there is nothing but brokenness and sadness and asks Ezekiel a question, can this valley have life? Or is it too dry? Is it too gone? No, what they imagine is a sense that the very Spirit of God will blow over those bones. They will be reformed, and everything they need to eliminate their dryness will be made known. Or maybe you fast forward to the end of our scriptures, the book of Revelation. Yes, it ends in a new city, as God's spell reminds us, but it's also a city in a garden. There are palaces and thrones as it's described in that book, but the most important part for me is in Revelation 21 where it says that through the city, from the throne, flows a river of life. And along that river of life there grow trees and the leaves of which are for the healing of the nations and there is no one who knows sickness. There is no one who knows thirst. Whether from the beginning where God hovers over the waters of creation or the end where God stands over the waters of healing water is an essential part of understanding one's spirit and one's spiritual life. If God's Word takes the idea of water seriously, maybe too should we. Not just so we're better hydrated and our skin likes us more and we stay healthy, because it serves as a reminder of our consistent need for a spiritual relationship with God. Don't wait till you're parched to pray. Don't wait till your lips are dried and cracked to reach out in mercy and forgiveness and fellowship to another. Make it a part of your regular experience as a spiritual thirst reliever. The water is also a growth promoter. It's a natural practice, the growing of things. We remember those images from the life sciences when we were elementary students of, 
of the, the process of the rain evaporating, going into the clouds and coming back upon the mountains and then serving as the water of a cycle that moves through a system that provides growth where there was not growth before. And while this is an image of a tended orchard that was planted on purpose, I have seen signs, even in our own valley, of places where I thought, well, life's not going to happen there, where after our heavy rains of this last year, there is new life, new growth, new green. As a homeowner, it's always concerning to you when you've got a plant on your property or that one patch of grass that is far greener than its surrounding siblings. You know something is going on there. I should check for a leak. It's getting water in a way that it needs. But for all the ways in which water naturally provides growth in something, we are a part of a system, an agricultural system of farming that is about a timely investment. Farmers plant seeds in good soil in the ground in the hopes that it is watered. As directing energy and resources to that place, it will grow the abundance that we need to feed ourselves and our families. That happens on purpose, with intent, but not with immediacy. If only we could grow things as quickly as our opening video shows. If only we were fed on a sense of abundance out of that little, you know, maybe potato craft that you did as a youngster and watched things sprout. Or if you're like me, that one that gets stuck in the back of the cabinet and sprouts anyway. It's a magnificent process. This is on purpose. It's intention. It says, I'm going to put the resource of water where I know growth is possible and where I want the fruit to be born. And so when we talk about this bridge between that which is planted and that which is harvested in this Sunday of water, this is a chance for us to consider how we are investing our time, our resources and energy, and watering where we want things to grow. Two things are true. Next Sunday, we'll gather out on the new patio space for the Growing Into Tomorrow campaign and dedicate that new patio and have our coffee hour there. That is an investment not in maintaining what was and just painting up what uh, used to be or what we've inherited. It doesn't even water the right now. It is an investment in what we think the future of this church will be, providing places and resources for families, for small groups, and for the people of our church to find new ways for relationships. Next Sunday is also going to be our Stewardship Sunday, our Dedication Sunday. You'll get a letter from me today or tomorrow or maybe Tuesday, mailed out the end of the week. It's an annual stewardship letter. It highlights where we've been and what we've done. It invites you to consider what your gifts in the coming year are, what water you're going to pour out for the future church. But ultimately what we're doing is loving our way into the tomorrow that God would have us to water. I prayed over every one of those. 251 families of giving units that are a part of the network of this church. Wrote a personalized little note on every one of them. Have you ever felt like, I don't know that anybody's ever prayed over me by name. If you're in our system, you've been prayed over. Because it's an intentional work. It's a process by which I want to pour just a little bit of my water, a little bit of my prayer, a little bit of my hope into a process that I hope will bear fruit for a church lowercase, Valencia United Methodist Church, but a church, capital C, Christ's body that I love and I want to love into its good future. This is a season of deep reflection. 
And so for some of us, All Saints Sunday is an opportunity to remember the ways in which those who've gone before us have modeled that kind of process. To realize that for these candles we lit this morning, so many of us are eating fruit born of their patience, of their confidence, and their trust. We'll share in communion together today as an opportunity for us to be fed from the table of Christ and to remember to put together again that sense of what is sacred and holy so that we can take the next steps into God's tomorrow. And when we need it again, we'll come back in December and do it all over again. And when we need it again and again and again, we take those sacred moments to remember that God is helping to carry the load. That God is quenching our thirst. That God is investing in our fruit bearing. Because God's got an abundant harvest for the future of the UMC. There's work to be done. There's labor in the fields, yes. But for today, feel the rain of grace. Feel the rain of love. Feel the rain of hope and possibility as it showers upon us all. Let us pray. O good and holy God, we give you thanks for a beautiful day. We give you thanks for a beautiful people gathered in this place. And we give you thanks for the beautiful gifts of communion, of fellowship, and of service. Watch over us in the last waning weeks of this year as we build with a sense of expectation towards what comes next and what is new. Help us to remember that no matter where we go, what we face, we are rooted ever in your love and mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you?